0: Acts 14, verses 8 to 18. This is what God's Word says. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth, and he'd never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done... They shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple it was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their clothes And they rushed into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go on their way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from the heavens and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty in keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them.
1: I don't want anything. That's the craziest thing and it's the weirdest thing to say where I have no ambition. Somewhere in the middle of absolute confusion, absolute
0: disappointment the fruition of jim all Kelly. of my dreams standing there with everything anybody else had ever dreamed about having and be unhappy you know it's not it's not uh jim carrey who can walk down the street just just uh you know doing anything he wants to and get away with it because nobody knows you you know, after a while, hopefully it'll be to the point where I can't walk out in the street. Won't that be fun? <laughs> where, where where, it'll be impossible to, to walk anywhere without being recognized.
1: You're supposed to say, you know, we're important. You're supposed yeah. to say, it's all going to be all right. You're supposed to say, whatever you dream can come true. You know, I always get a kind of perverse satisfaction at hearing that celebrities are unhappy too. Because it kind of justifies my own mediocrity, doesn't it? See, it doesn't matter that I'm a failure. I wouldn't have been even any happier even if I had succeeded. But the idea that someone like Jim Carrey could be unhappy kind of exposes a couple of myths around the idea of happiness, doesn't it? One is the myth that happiness comes with success. Jim Carrey had everything you could ever dream of. Fame, fortune, admiration, respect, freedom, sex. He had it all, but he still wasn't happy. That's deeply disturbing for people like us, isn't it? People who dream of those things, right? But it turns out that happiness doesn't necessarily come from success. Because the other myth that Jim Carrey exposes is that people who look happy must be happy. We kind of assume that, don't we? That if someone's smiling and laughing, they must be just fine. Life of the party, always cheerful. But it's not always the case, is it? You can make the room laugh, but be crying inside. We're starting a a five-week series on this idea of joy and straight away we run into a problem, don't we? What do we mean by joy? Because I just used words like happy and cheerful. But is that what we mean by joy? Well, sometimes it is. Like on a Saturday afternoon when you're with your friends and the mood is light and there's food and there's music and you just get this sense of happiness. That's a kind of joy, isn't it? And yet we all know there's more to joy than that, don't we? Life can't always be lived on those heights. I was listening to Hugh McKay, who's the Australian sociologist, and he said something that really got me thinking. He said, we keep saying that we want our kids to be happy, but we don't. Not really, only bad parents want their kids to be happy. Because a kid that's always happy will never grow up. They'll never become resilient. They'll never learn determination or compassion. A kid that's always happy becomes a shallow, selfish twit. No, what we want for our kids is real joy. And Hume K's right, isn't he, as he says that. When we talk about joy, We mean more than happiness. Sure, happiness is part of it, but joy also includes words like resilience and contentment and satisfaction and delight and pleasure and reassurance and security. It's funny, you know, one word for it that kind of makes me gag just a little bit because it's so new agey is well-being. It is a bit tacky, that word well-being, but it kind of works, doesn't it? Joy seems to be this sense of well-being, that things are right, good, they're, they're things are the way they should be. And it can be as fleeting and fun as a Saturday afternoon at the beach with your friends or as exultant as seeing a child born or as deeply fulfilling as finishing a marathon or as, as steady as knowing that you've made it through that really tough time. See, joy is hard to put a name to. But we know what it is, don't we? And we just have this instinctive sense that we should have joy. We kind of know that our lives ought to be joyful, right? Around the time of Jesus, there was a group called the Stoics. And the Stoics taught that the world was a pretty miserable place. Life is suffering. And so the goal of life for the Stoics was fortitude, self-control, tough it out, grit your teeth. That's where we get the idea of Stoicism from. And look, that just feels all wrong, doesn't it? I think we all know that life is meant to be more joyful than that. Life ought to be delight and contentment and satisfaction and happiness. Sure, with fortitude mixed in, but, but you know, the thing is, I reckon we all have this sneaking feeling that maybe God is a Stoic. (laughs) Maybe God thinks life should be suffering too. God's a bit of a misery guts. So you read the Old Testament and it does seem like it's kind of all doom and gloom, doesn't it? It's all judgment and suffering. God's always angry with things. And then you come to the New Testament and Jesus is the man of sorrows whose life ends in crucifixion. And what's the big theme of the Christian life for us? Suffering persecution, (laughs) maybe God is a bit of a misery guts. Maybe he doesn't want us to be joyful after all. And so we're going to spend the next five weeks looking at this idea of joy. And we're starting with the God of joy. And look, as we start, one thing I'm very conscious of is that for lots of us, joy has not been easy to come by. Our lives haven't been joyful for a bunch of reasons. Maybe life hasn't always been kind to us. We've suffered disappointments. Maybe people haven't always been kind to us. Maybe we've struggled with illness or depression. And our fear as we start a series on joy is we're just gonna to be told we've gotta to be shiny, happy Christians. Suck it up, put a smile on, the, on your face and face the world. That's not what we're gonna do. Truth be told, I'm one of those people who've struggled to find joy for my own reasons. And so the last thing I want to do is be insensitive in this series. And yet we are going to see today that God does have our joy at his heart. God does want us to be joyful. And in fact, before we talk about our joy, we need to talk about God's joy Before we talk about the God who gives us joy, we need to start by meeting the God who has joy. Because you see, our God is joyful. Far from being the dow faced misery guts, our God is the God who sings. Has that ever occurred to you? Our God is the God of the Psalms, the God who sings. God's the God of Psalm 100, a psalm for giving grateful praise. "'Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. earth. "'Worship the Lord with gladness. "'Come before Him with joyful songs. "'Know that the Lord is God. God. "'It's He who made us, and we're His. "'We're His people, the sheep of His pasture. "'Enter His gates with thanksgiving, "'and His court with praise. Give, "'Give thanks to Him and praise His name. "'For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. "'His faithfulness continues through all generations.'" How joyful is that song? Our God wrote that song. Because you see, God isn't just the one who gives joy. God is the one who has joy. In fact, God takes joy in all sorts of things. But you know, first and foremost, the thing that makes God joyful is himself. So in Jeremiah 9, God says, Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast in their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight declares the Lord. You see, God takes delight in his own kindness and justice and righteousness. God takes delight in his own goodness. And he takes delight in showing those things to others. That is, God loves being God. God takes delight in his own mercy. So Micah 7.18 says, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnants of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. See, God takes delight in his own mercy. He loves forgiving people. I don't always like myself. If I'm honest, I'm often actually pretty down on myself. But how God delights to be himself. And why wouldn't he? God's perfect in kindness and justice and righteousness and mercy. God is delighted to be himself. And of course, you see that in the Trinity, don't you? Jesus, the Holy Spirit and the Father take joy in each other. So Luke 10 says, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. See, how great is that? Jesus has joy through the Holy Spirit and he delights in his father's decisions and actions. The Trinity is like this little collective of joy. Jesus and his father delight in each other. So in John 15, Jesus says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may, com- may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. See what Jesus' relationship with his father is like there? They love each other. Jesus obeys his father and Jesus is filled with this joy, a joy that he wants us to share. in. that's actually important, isn't it? We'll get to that later. But do you see what our God is like? Our God has joy, joy in himself because of who he is, Father, Son, and Spirit. We have the joyful God. But in fact, you know, God doesn't just take joy in himself. He also takes delight in his creation and us. There's a part of the book of Proverbs that I especially love. It's when wisdom herself starts talking in chapter 8. And wisdom says, I was there when God set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, and when he gave the sea its boundary so that the waters wouldn't overstep his command, and, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Isn't that lovely? God's wisdom was filled with delight day after day, delighting creation, rejoicing to be with God, rejoicing in the creation and delighting in humanity. God delights in his creation. And God also delights in his people. In Deuteronomy, Moses says to Israel, then the Lord your God will make you the most prosperous, make you most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous, just as he delighted in your ancestors. Isn't that fantastic? God delights in his people. He loves to bless us. He loves to give us things, to give us gifts. In other passages, God delights in our obedience or our humility or our blamelessness. I especially love Ephesians chapter five, where Paul says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Did you know that you can please the Lord? How great is that? You can give pleasure to the God of the universe by your goodness and your righteousness and truth. You can put a smile on God's face, and it doesn't mean that you earn salvation, but as you live as His child, He loves your obedience. He delights in it. You see, we worship the God of joy the world loves to present god as a misery guts the great oscar the grouch in the sky who's always finding fault and he's always complaining and he's always criticizing but that is not our god at all our god loves being himself jesus delights in the father and the father delights in jesus and god was delighted with his creation and he's pleased with his people's obedience god loves having his people Our God is the God of joy. That's why things like stoicism are so wrong. They misunderstand God. And so they misunderstand the nature of reality. Life is not meant to be one long slog of fortitude and self-control in the face of gloom. Life is meant to be joyful. Now, of course, we're going to have to wrestle with the question of suffering, aren't we? We're going to have to see how joy can be found in a world that is filled with suffering and that's going to be talk four. The whole of talk, floor, talk four is going to be exploring how joy and suffering aren't mutually exclusive, that it is possible to find joy even in the midst of suffering and for both of them to be real. But for now, know this, our God is a God of joy. He loves to sing. He loves to be himself. He loves to take delight. And you know, he loves to give joy too. That's the second big thing I want us to see today. God isn't just the one who has joy. He is the one who gives joy. You know, one of the passages that's had a profound effect on my thinking as we've been working up this series on joy has been the one that was read to us earlier, Acts chapter 14. Paul is talking to the pagans at Lystra. And he says to them, we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown you kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Now, isn't that amazing? Because you see, Paul is not speaking to Israelites here. He's not speaking to Christians either. He is speaking to pagan idol worshippers, the enemies of God. And he's telling them about the living God who created the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in it. And what does God want even for his enemies? What's God's basic stance toward the world, even the world that ignores him? Kindness and joy. God shows kindness by giving the rain and crops and he fills their hearts with joy. That's how God feels towards people. Long before we ever become his people, He fills our hearts with joy. That's what God wants for people. He wants us to have joy. And yes, God's angry with sin. Yes, God will judge idolatry. We're going to look at that next week. But even to the sinners who ignore him, God fills people's hearts with joy. The joy that everyone has as we fall in love. God gives us that joy. The joy that everyone has when they see a beautiful sunrise. That joy is given to us by God. The joy we have when our children are born or we taste a great steak straight off the barbie or our football team wins or the satisfaction we get from work. All of those things actually come from God. You see, God is the one who gives us joy. Joy. This is actually something that's completely fundamental for us to realize. Of course, one of the great tragedies in this is that we often rob ourselves of joy, don't we? You see, really, there are two great things that uh, that come from the joy that God gives us. One is the enjoyment of it. But, you know, the second great part of the joy that God gives us is being able to thank him for it, isn't it? Have you, ever, have you ever had that experience Well, where joy is actually doubled as you give thanks to God? Just for a moment, Pete, it stopped actually coming up onto the screen here. I'm not seeing what you're seeing. One of the great things about joy is being able to thank God for it, isn't it? I'm seeing your home screen, Pete. Yeah. And so when you have a child, isn't part of the very best part of having a child being able to thank God for it? Isn't one of the most wonderful things about a sunrise, being able to thank God for that sunrise? You see, part of the great tragedy of us not worshipping God is we rob ourselves of the very best part of joy, which is sharing it with the God of the universe. But God wants to give us joy. Pete's about to walk in with the, uh, with the um, script, because... Because the auto cue has stopped working, but of course God doesn't just want us to want to give joy to the world; He also wants to give joy to His people, doesn't He? So Psalm ninety says, "Satisfy us in the morning with Your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as You have inflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble." See, God doesn't just have this view of giving the world joy. He also wants to give his people joy, especially the joy of being saved by him. We're going to look more at this next week, but Psalm 5 says, but let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them, sing, uh, let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. God loves to give his people joy, especially the joy of salvation the joy of knowing that we're His people. In fact, the joy of just knowing Him. In fact, isn't joy one of the fruits of the Spirit? In Galatians 5, Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, forbearance, goodness, and faithfulness. The fruit of the Spirit in the Christian life is joy. Paul prays that God will fill us with joy in Romans 15. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, God wants to fill his people with joy. In fact, think of it, heaven will be a place of joy, won't it? What does Jude pray at the end of his short letter? To him who is able to keep you from stumbling, And to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. When God presents us to himself in heaven, we'll be filled with joy. Because that's what God wants for his people. Now, of course, we're going to unpack all of this in the coming weeks. We're going to look at the joy we get from the gospel, the gospel of salvation. We're going to look at the joy we get from knowing God's character and walking with him. We're going to look at how joy and suffering can walk together. And we're going to look at the joy that comes from serving others and giving them joy. But really what I want us to see today is that our God is the God of joy. God is not a stoic misery guts. God has joy in himself. He gives joy to his people. Our God is the God of joy. And you look, And yet, even as we say all of this, I think we have two kind of doubts that rise in our hearts. There are two lies that Satan really wants us to believe about joy. Let me throw them around a little bit before we finish. I think the first lie that Satan really wants us to believe is that the only way we will find joy is by rebelling against God, without God, by sinning, by running away from God. It's kind of like the parable of the lost son, right? What was the only way that this son could be happy? To run as far from his father as he can. We kind of think that, don't we? We're often tempted to think that. If I'm going to find happiness, it's going to have to be a way from my heavenly father happiness is going to come through lots and lots of sexual partners happiness is going to come through getting lots and lots of possessions happiness can only come by following my own heart happiness can only come if i fulfill my dreams and in fact you know sometimes christians who don't go off and chase those things can kind of resent god and have a joyless christianity like the older brother in the parable Look, God, I slaved all my life for you. I've been obedient and I've been good and you never gave me anything. In fact, one of the things that can rob Christians of joy is that we don't trust God. It's funny, you know, in that story, both of the brothers believe the same lie. They both buy the lie that they're going to be happier, find joy away from their father. It's just that the younger brother acts on it. The older brother stays and miserably resents his father. But we know, don't we? Sin never breeds happiness. Sin never leads to joy, certainly not in the long term. It always leads to misery and regret. It always leads to shame and remorse, feeding pigs in a foreign land because sin damages us. Our father is a good father and he only wants what's best for us. And when we turn away from him, We always rob ourselves of joy. That is, don't buy the lie that joy and happiness can only be found away from God. Now, trust God's word, because time and time again, you'll see that enjoying God and serving God is actually one of the things that brings most joy. So Psalm 6 says, May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the people with equity and guide the nations on the earth. That is, God's rule is a source of joy. If only we can see it. We're going to dig more into this in the coming weeks. But you know, there's another lie that I think we're tempted to believe that's actually much, much more subtle. But I think it's even more prevalent, especially among Christians. It's the lie that God is the servant of my joy instead of being the source of my joy. See, there's a way of thinking about life that says, I'm on my journey and I'm here to fulfill my dreams. I want to find my joy by discovering what's important to me and following my heart and following my dreams. And you know, God... God is coming along for the ride with me. God's part of it. In fact, God's job is to help me to fulfill all of my dreams and find joy. Really, God is my spiritual co-pilot on my journey towards joy. And so you have Christians who spend their lives looking to find joy in their career or find joy in travel, or find joy in their kids, or money, or experiences. really all the same things that non-Christians look to find joy in. The difference is, for Christians, God's another one of the things that I find joy in. I get to be a Christian on top of all of that. In fact, I follow God because His job is to help me to find that joy I'm looking for. Get the idea? God is the servant of my joy journey. But no, God isn't the servant of my joy. In the Bible, God is the ultimate source of my joy. And he's the focus of my joy. And the more I let go of my dreams, the more I let go of my hopes and my search for joy and just seek God and his things, the greater my joy will be. Joy does not come from following my own heart and bringing God along for the ride. Joy comes from following God's heart. Take a look how David sees joy in Psalm 66. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done. His awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Do you see where David finds joy in that psalm? Shouting to God glorifying God's name praising God for his awesome deeds worshiping God the difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is not that we look for joy in the same places but we also get God on top no Christians have a deeper and better source of joy knowing God worshiping God Following God. And yeah, we take joy in all the same kinds of things as non Christians, but we have a deeper and better source of joy. Building God's kingdom, having God's priorities, growing in God's character. Christians actually have a deeper joy, a more profound joy altogether. And look, you see where this, we see the rub of this in terms of what parents want for their kids, don't you? What do I want most for my kids? We talked about it earlier with McKay, with, uh, with didn't we? What do I want most for my kids? Success? Career? Good HSC mark? Security? Happiness? Experiences? A suffering-free life? Why would I want those things for my kids? Because I think they'll make them happy. Because I think they'll give them joy. But do you know what the Christian parent says? I want my kids to really know God. I want, them, I want my kids to be captured by the gospel. I want my kids to long to see the lost saved. I want my kids to make costly, radical decisions for Jesus. And in fact, you know, that may cost them all of the things the world looks for. It may cost them success and it may cost them career. It may certainly cost them experiences and security and friendships. It might even mean that they decide to go overseas as missionaries and they give up all of the things the world longs for. But I'm going to want those things for my kids because I trust God with their joy. I trust God that he can give my kids more joy than the world can. And look, are you going to trust God on this? Because this is a big call, isn't it? It's a massive call. To stop looking for joy and happiness where the world finds it and trust God that he'll give it to you if you put your, if you throw everything in with him and his purposes, that he'll give you a deeper joy. Do you trust that? In one sense, it's easy. Take the word of someone like Jim Carrey. He had everything the world looks for and he was still miserable. Take Jim Carrey's word for it. But don't take his word for it. Take God's word for it. Our God is the joyful God. He delights to be himself. And he delights to give us joy. And over the course of this series, we are going to see that the greatest joy we can ever have is actually found in knowing and walking with Him even through the valley of death and suffering. Let's praise our God and ask Him that we'll trust Him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we praise You because You are not a misery guts. You are not the stoic God of a horrible creation and a miserable life of fortitude. You are the God who sings. You're the God who takes delight in being you. We praise you for your mercy, your justice, your goodness, your righteousness, your truth, your purity and perfection. We praise you because you love to be you. And we praise you that you take delight in what you've made, that you take delight in the creation and humanity and your people. We thank you that we have the power to please you and give you joy. We thank you that you love to give us joy. We thank you that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. We thank you that you've given us a world filled with joy, even with suffering. We pray that we will trust you. The joy is not found in rebelling against you and that joy isn't found in using you for our own purposes of joy. We pray that we'll trust you that joy is found in knowing you, in serving you, in having your values, your priorities. We pray that for our kids. We pray that rather than seeking the things this world seeks for them, we would want you for them. We pray that in this most difficult and pointed decisions in our lives, that we would entrust our children's joy to you as well. Amen.